Hello and welcome to the first episode of season two of Let's Be Honest. I'm Jess and this is the podcast where I talk about life's toughest topics with lots of different brilliant people. Today's episode is called Let's Talk About Identity. I'll be joined by Leah Vernon for this special episode recorded in New York City. Leah is an activist, model, a motivational speaker, a social media influencer, and a published author. Her new book, Unashamed, Musings of a Fat Black Muslim, acts as the perfect pairing for our deep and honest conversation about identity and what it means to live in a world where people's perceptions of you stop at what they see on the outside. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the show. Hi, Leah. Welcome. Hey, girl. How are you? (laughs) Doing good on this rainy day. I know. Here in, I guess we're in Queens, New York. Yes. Not really. Is it New York City still? No. No. Is that only (laughs) Manhattan or what is that? I feel like the city is like Manhattan. Um, And they call the other places the boroughs. Okay. I'm not from here, so I'm just, this is what I heard. Me either. So the Queens is like one of the boroughs. Okay. I feel like that is really serious in New York, though, if you get that bit wrong. They are very serious about it. I'm just like, I'm sorry, I'm not from here. Please be gentle with me. (laughs) I'm learning. (laughs) Well, welcome to Let's Be Honest. You are such an anticipated guest for me. And I know for everybody else. Everybody else, this is going to be fantastic. You and I just met. Yes. But I have been following you on social media for a while now. I would say at least, for me, like, I, I think at least six months I've been following your journey. Maybe wow. longer. Honestly, I have no concept of time anymore. <laughs> it could be five years. It could be five months. I don't know. Um, but I came across you by, I think I clicked on a hashtag and your page popped up. And I was like, who is this? She's so colorful. Um so what's your your tag name on Instagram? Will you tell everyone so they can follow you as well? Um, yes. So my name is Leah V. Okay. But uh, my Instagram is lvernon2000. Okay. You have to follow her because she's incredible. So I, I came across your page and it was just nothing but color and happiness and joy. And then I found out like who you were and what you were about and how you were connected to the community and I was just obsessed. So I've been following you for a while. So this is such an honor just to even meet you. Oh, and we've you. been chatting for an hour before we started, <laughs> you know, recording. And I just feel like it's such a great connection. And it's, I'm so happy. This is just a great example of how you can um, use social media for good and how it can connect people. Because how else would I have known about you or exactly. met you and connected with you without social media? So. Yeah, Instagram is definitely, um, social media, I tell people, it's kind of like money. You can use it for good or you can use it yeah. for evil. And yep. so I've had some amazing experiences from Instagram, yeah. even with all the trolls and stuff like that. Like right. there are so many amazing people that I've connected with like all over the world. That's so good. So you're originally from Detroit. Yes, and you've been here for about five months. We're going to talk today about identity. So this episode is called Let's Talk About Identity and what it means to walk in the world where judgment stops at how you identify yourself or even how other people identify for you and what a struggle that walk can be and also how empowering it can be. But I just really want to hear all about you and your story and how fabulous you are. So take us back to Detroit and what were you doing in your childhood? What was that like for you growing up in Detroit? Yeah, so, um, and a lot of this uh, stuff will be in my book mm-hmm. that's coming out, which yes. is like the memoir. Yes, let's that. Yeah, Unashamed Musings of a Fat Black Muslim is going to go in depth. Like, this is going to be like, you know, tip of the iceberg, because yeah. you can only say so much, what, in an hour podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I grew up in Detroit, 
born and raised, mm-hmm. and I had a very interesting mother. Okay. I think at some point we thought that she was um, eclectic. Okay. And of course, kids, we, you try to protect your mom at any cost. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm an adult, I'm like, yeah, she was really mentally ill. Mm. And so growing up with um, a mother who was mentally ill and people around her that were not so good, her trying to raise her children as Muslim Mm -hmm. and trying to figure out her own identity Mm -hmm. with all the hardships that come with being a single black mother, it was a lot Mm -hmm. of identity issues for us growing up. Um, I just remember, and sadly, I just remember kind of running away into books and stories, which is why I'm a storyteller now. Yeah. Because it saved me, basically. I would definitely be probably in jail right now if it wasn't really? for books and stories. Like, I'm not even kidding. Like, um, me writing stories and me um, writing narrative, sharing narrative, um, reading books and other people's lives mm-hmm. honestly has saved me in many, many ways. Like, it's really serious. And so growing up, I would like, um, I was home, we were homeschooled. My mom didn't believe in public schooling. She wanted to kind of keep us in mm-hmm. her bubble. Yeah. Um, and so we, I would, um, after homeschooling, I would go to the library and just dive into um, fiction novels. Mm-hmm. And What were your what, favorite books as a kid? Um, I loved R.L. Stein. Okay. Uh, of course, like uh, C.S. Lewis. Yeah. And. Um, oh my gosh, the uh, language, the wardrobe. Yes, like, like that was classic. like such a amazing book for me of course all these books had white leads right and so with the books i dove into were mostly white Mm -hmm. tv mostly white Mm. magazine white and so like i wanted to be a white woman um i felt like that meant purity and meant being better um and so like i in my mind i'm like my identity is going to be best if i basically denounce everything that makes me um, culturally ethnic so I didn't want people to know I was Muslim I don't want people to know I was black um, I had this Caucasian life set up for myself when mm. I grew up and get out the house and so growing up it was very very hard to be be who I was because society media and that was kind of like growing up in Detroit is basically I wanted to be somebody else wow so when you say we were homeschooled, do you have siblings? Yes. How many are there of you? So on my mom's side, there are five. Mm-hmm. And my father, um, who is not a good person at all, mm-hmm. um, he has an unlimited amount of children. Unlimited. Unlimited. He's basically had, I think right now it's at 10, but there could be more. He's literally wow. had kids like from here, Indiana, Alabama. And are you close with all the 10 of those? No. Do you know them at all? Um, for a long time, he would not say anything about them, okay. had not um, introduced me to them at all. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a time when I was younger and I was over there before we kind of like, when I was like, I'm done with it. Yeah. Um, my stepmom was like, you sound just like your sister Netta. And I'm like, who the fuck is Netta? <laughs> and she's like, that's your sister. You know, you have two sisters and, and, and a brother, like... Another state. How could she not think and I'm to, just that like, you wouldn't know who they were? Right. And she just, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. She always seen the good in him. And mm. so maybe, you know what I mean? People see the good in yeah. you. They try to like make excuses. But I'm like, I have no idea who these people are. Wow. And so 
Um, of course, like I'm in my, my 30s now, and then like I finally meet them, but it wasn't through him. It was through my little sister, mm. who was like, "Yeah, you have siblings in Indiana. You should see them sometimes." Wow. Yeah. So the five that are on your mother's side, are they mm-hmm. all from your your father? No. No. Okay. No. So how was that meeting sisters and brothers that you never knew you had? Um, it was very emotional, mm. and um, I don't think that story is in my book, but um, I was married at the time when I was going to see them. And um, I took my husband at the time with me, mm-hmm. and that was a shit show because he made it all about him. And I ended up like calling my friend and just crying. So I'm like, this is supposed to be a damn, I'm supposed to be meeting my, my siblings for the first time, and you're, you're acting crazy. Like, I, I was like, I just wanna leave you in Indiana right now. I was like, leave you in this parking lot of this fast food restaurant because mm-hmm. you're acting a total fool. And um, so it was a lot of emotions and he fucked it up a little bit. Um, but I was like, you know, what? I'm gonna continue this. I, w- I wanna meet my siblings. And it was definitely an emotional roller coaster to, to finally meet them. Yeah. Because like we're all grown now. Yeah. They're in their 40s. I have, I've had a couple of friends where they've, where they've met a sibling kind of in that same situation. And I always thought like, I, I can't imagine like my, my dad going, yeah, you've got a brother or a sister you never knew you had. and because I'm an only child. Mm. So what that would be like to suddenly go, God, there's somebody out there who shares your genetic makeup that you didn't didn't even know existed. I can imagine that being yeah. very emotional. I haven't really processed it. Of course. Um, Was that this year you met them? No, I met them like, um, I think three and a half years ago. Okay, wow. And so and they're very different than me. Right. And so it's a little bit like they're strangers mm-hmm. because like they're very different. Yeah. Wow. They're so, nice people. They're yeah. just like, they're, they're not like, they're just different people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and, and sometimes you can be family with somebody and have nothing in common. Exactly. I was having a conversation with uh, my friend here in New York. We were talking about, you know, so many family members, like if you weren't blood related and sort of quote unquote had to, you know, be in a relationship with them, would you have them in your life? And the answer is probably no. Just probably. Yeah. Because <laughs> a couple of my siblings, I'm just like, I can't. Yeah. I can't with you. And just like the opposite that we have so many people that are friends that we consider family, like it can go both ways, you True. know, and have, I have that connection. Like what's the quote? Like, um, blood is not always thicker than water. You right. know, you can have, or family, a friends of the family we choose for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, so in terms of identity, how has it been for you to identify in the ways that you do in in society today? That's such a broad question, which we'll it narrow is. down. But, <laughs> it's fine. You know, how has that been? Mm, it's been very hard, I'm not mm-hmm. gonna lie. It's taken a while to get to where I am now. Mm-hmm. Because like going from, I wanna be a white woman to, now I'm black as fuck. Like that is, it's mm-hmm. honestly um, taking a lot of self-discovery, yeah. a lot of failures, um, a lot of losing certain people, a lot of growing thicker skin from people who don't accept mm. that you're okay with who you are. Yeah. Um, because people, they're very, not people, insecure people, mm-hmm. they are threatened by other people's um by their unapologeticness. Yeah. They don't want you to live in your truth because somehow that threatens theirs. Right. Um, they want you to be what they want you to be. But I learned very early on, especially like going through my divorce, I learned that you can't please everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I wouldn't call myself a people pleaser, but the situations that I was in, especially like during my marriage, I was trying to be someone that I wasn't mm-hmm. because it was easier. Yeah. Especially like growing up in a Muslim community where everybody wants you to be this pious, you know, um, pastel wearing um, hijabi wife and mother. Like they don't want you to do other things. They don't want you to explore. Mm. And so I tried my best to kind of stay in the parameters that I wouldn't get called bad names or mm. get called, you know. I remember one time I was called a slut because um, I went out to parties. But a man, a Muslim man who went out to parties, he wasn't a slut. So I'm mm. like, why, why do I have to be a slut? But he's not a slut. So Doing the same thing. Exactly. It's just like, um, I don't think in our religion, neither of us should be here. Mm-hmm. So why is it that one gets you know shame mm. and the other one doesn't? Oh, because he has a penis. Cool. Great. Right. And it's not just the ticket. <laughs> exactly. Get out of jail cards. <laughs> That's how it is. Yeah. And um, so... Um, just dealing with identity is, is not, I think a lot of people right now, since social media, people glamorize, um, confidence and Mm -hmm. self-love and they don't show you the downsides or like the hardships of actually living in your truth. Yeah. When I'm fat, I, I identify as fat black Muslim woman. So when I go somewhere that's, let's say, um, they might be fat phobic or maybe they don't like Muslims or maybe they don't like, you know, black people, whatever the case may be, um, they are threatened by it. Mm. And so now that I'm open for attacks now, right? Yeah. Whether it's verbal, could be physical. I mean, mm. there's Muslims getting attacked, yeah. you know, for being visibly Muslim. Right. So that's this, your crime is right. you're being black or you're being Muslim or you're being a woman. Like, you know, you're walking down the street minding your completely your own business yeah. and, and you're open to... All types of stuff. Yeah. Like... And all those things that you just I identified as, you know, being black, being, being fat, being a woman, being Muslim, I feel like those are all things that society tells you you shouldn't be. You know, like, it's bad to be those things for a multitude of reasons. And one of the reasons why I admire you so much is that you have such a fabulous Instagram feed, you're so colorful and so happy, and you can have the most gorgeous picture of confidence, and then you keep it so real in the caption, and you're just saying, yeah, I'm really struggling with X, Y, Z, or this is what's going on, or this is what it took to get to this, you know, level that I'm at now. Mm -hmm. And I just think that that's so incredible because I think that's one of the ways that social media can be detrimental is that it's just such a false paradise like people are posting I think you posted something about this recently you know it's like the girl at the pool with the tongue out and the peace sign and the bikini and and she's face-tuned the shit out of it okay right and yet she's going home and having a an anxious mental breakdown Mm -hmm. and she doesn't have a relationship with her mother and she's broke but she's not posting about that you know this they do this podcast is the premise of this is that there is unity in community mm-hmm. and why are we not sharing the hardships that we go through when the truth is we all go through them it's part of the human experience and how different our lives would be how much more enriched the world would be if we would come together in those things and be a support you know there's lots of talk of like women supporting women and i think that's wonderful but when you have that idea in your mind but it's really only like if you're like a white Caucasian woman, like you're only supporting other white Caucasian women that are mm-hmm. wearing 
$100 leggings, getting Starbucks, going up Runyon Canyon in LA. Like if you're not out here saying, no, that means I'm supporting every woman who identifies as a multitude of things. I'm supporting black women. I'm supporting Asian women. I'm supporting women of all sizes, all religions. Like if you're not covering, if that statement doesn't cover everybody, then it doesn't really count. That's true. I mean, I think that's the conversation that a lot of black activists and a lot of um, queer activists are are talking about now is like white feminism. Mm -hmm. That's like a huge thing now. Mm -hmm. Because it's like, okay, let's just exactly what you said. Um, are you only supporting like other women who look like you or are you supporting like different people because yeah. we are all women too right. um, or identify as women and so like that's not mm-hmm. th- this is not like feminism to me or now intersectional feminism doesn't mean like I'm just helping a certain kind of woman right it means I'm trying to help for all women yeah. to feel equal and to feel included and so like I just don't I don't get that kind of feminism mm-hmm. um the fat phobic feminism or the anti-black feminism. Yeah. That's not feminism then. I'm I'm a feminist and and think you deserve equality as long as you're not blank. And exactly. it's like that, that doesn't work, you know. It's just yeah. Because that, my oppression is your oppression, right? Right. Yeah. It's that that um and I think I learned that from a, actually a queer um activist. Mm-hmm. Um he was like I'm going to cuz the Muslim ban just happened. And I was like, "Oh, where are you going?" He's like, "I'm going to um go pick it uh, for the Muslim bed. And I'm just like, he was like a, you know, white gay male. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, okay. He's like, yeah, like your oppression is my oppression. Mm-hmm. I'm like, dang. Didn't think about it like that. That's crazy. I yeah. was like, that is true. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. And so I just love that type of like cross. Oh, yeah. Um, cross culture. Yeah. Cross, like cross I love it. Where it's like we're all kind of like lifting each other up because honestly, mm. if we don't stick together, then right. we're, we're, we're fucked. Yeah. Like honestly, like if we don't, 100%. like we cannot do like all the stuff that's happened mm-hmm. from since like slavery up until now in America, mm-hmm. like if we don't do this together, mm-hmm. then it's, it's not even going to be what it is. Like oh, we have to like absolutely. help each other. There's this fantastic poem and I do this every episode where I want to quote somebody and then I forget who it is or I forget like <laughs> I say the name. And let's be honest, that's the truth. But there's this wonderful um, um, poem and it's it's called First um, They Came for the Jews. And it's it, it's about, you know, the Holocaust and, and the oppression of the Jews. But it's it says, you know, first they came for... Um, the Jews and I didn't speak up because I wasn't a Jew and then they came for the social communists and I didn't say anything because I wasn't a social communist and then they came for the unionists the trade unionists and I didn't speak up because wasn't a trade unionist and then they came for me and there was nobody left to speak for me and the whole point I mean it gives me chills every time I read it or, or say it out loud because that's that's how it, reality is if you don't stand up for your brothers and sisters across every diverse barrier then guess what when they come for you there's no one left to speak exactly. for you it's so important no 100 even like what's happening like with the like the whole mexican border mexico border mm-hmm. and then the immigrant children like mm-hmm. that honestly it makes yeah. me and that hurts my oh, feelings it's gut-wrenching i'm just like i like and i'm muslim and so muslims and a lot of religions believe that there's an afterlife. Mm-hmm. And so, but before you get there, um, you have to be judged. Right. And honestly, the people who are allowing these atrocities to happen to children, men and women who 
believe the same as you do mm-hmm. and to treat them like basically less than less than a dog because yeah. dogs get treated better in America than people of color do uh, it like it's, it's, it's monstrous mm. it's like you you are the worst person like oh, yeah. ever I couldn't agree more I couldn't agree more yeah it's um I think it's a, a school of thought that people lean into that says, well, it doesn't affect me, so why would I up in arms about it? Like, if you can pretty much go home and not be affected by what's going on out there, then I don't need to, to oh, that's put my privilege. mind to it. <laughs> that's exactly where privilege is. 100%. <laughs> we did this um, episode, Let's Talk About Race. It was the second um, episode in season one. Um, and we talked exactly about that of like why just getting why just having a white face mean like a get out of jail free card and why is that a ticket to pretty much an unchallenged life and we discussed how um, toxic that is and what privilege means and you know most of the things in terms of oppression of course I identify as a as a cis woman so I have certain things that do affect me but in terms of things that to do with race or um sexual orientation rights you know religious rights pretty like scot-free not a lot affects me because I have white privilege and I'm fully aware of my privilege but I have such a heart and a passion for rallying literally going out to rallies and you know things like that where I feel such a call to stand up for people that are having issues that are nothing to do with me because I want to live in a diverse world and I want to see people of every color creed orientation succeed because i think that makes for a better world you know so it's such a such a waste when people don't don't get that i think also um especially like for like americans i know that a lot lot of them don't travel Mm. and i always tell people like you have to go going to las vegas is not traveling (laughs) i'm sorry to burst your bubble um that's not going to florida is not traveling yeah, like you yeah. have to go and put yourself in a whole different world yeah. to learn and honestly like you're gonna learn more about yourself like yeah. i'm the kind of person like it's funny like i have this thing where i put myself in situations that people like me are never in so i'll go to like a rave and just be like and i'll dress like instagram really yes like i one time i went to this one because i like I like going to different things because Mm -hmm. like I need to know that I'm not the only person on this planet. And so when I go to these random things like a rave Mm -hmm. where there are um, hippie white people, some have locks, which I'm not necessarily agreeing with because that's a cultural appropriation. But anyway, different thing. They have locks. White people, please please don't get dreadlocks. (laughs) So these these people have locks. Um, Some of them are... Um, spelling a little interesting because they've been sweating and dancing for 17 hours. Um, there's 17 like, hours? Because, you know, it's like they last a long time. It's like, you know, you I go would, in and you hear the music. There's somebody with like um, a neon a hula hoop and she's doing her thing. And there's like probably some drug use. And probably. I'm just... Probably. <laughs> I mean, definitely. I don't want to. <laughs> I'm not going to say it is. Okay. Probably. I'll say it. Yes, it for drug, sure. Is. There's okay, probably drug use. There is drug use. And yeah. so like I'm sitting there in like uh my turban, some shades on, a faux fur, um, a little skirt. Mm-hmm. And I'll be, you know, bopping to the music. And it was funny because I went to just one. <laughs> right, just like in there. This one girl, she she's doing her little dance, and she comes up to me, she's like, Um, you're so pretty. And I was like, Thank you so much. And she's like, I I would never expect to see someone like you here. <laughs> 
And I'm just like, I like to dabble in different things. Yeah. And she's like, that's so cool. It just walks cool. away. She but appreciate it's, it's like, I'll go to like weird stuff because I went to like a K-pop party uh, a couple <laughs> weeks ago. Wow. Never been, don't know anything about K-pop. Do you just go by yourself to these things? Yes. Because I need oh. to, I need to feel that that discomfort of not knowing anyone. I need to feel right. the discomfort of being in an element that is not my own. And are you pleasantly surprised when you do stretch your boundaries and go to things like that, or is it difficult? No, honestly, like I know it's going to be uncomfortable because you don't know anybody and you're the only person who looks different, and they're just like, "Who is that person? And why are you here?" Yeah, so I'll just like you know stick around, just kind of like chill with some music, and you'll have one person who comes up to me who's like. Like who? How, like who are you? Like Why what are you, are you doing? Here? Yeah. And then we'll start talking, and they'll invite me to their group to dance. Like I've made friends like that, where it's just like you are odd. Come <laughs> meet my friends, and we'll just be sitting there laughing and coking and joking. And honestly, like you know, I mean, it's uncomfortable because you mm-hmm. don't know anybody. Did you and say coking and joking. Coking and joking. What does that mean? <laughs> it's like you know, you're just talking shit. Okay. Like like you said, shooting the shit. Yeah. <laughs> like coking and joking. <laughs> I've never heard that. Before. I'm 87 years old, so I use these old <laughs> terms that you've probably never heard of. Yeah. yeah, and so like I feel like it's very detrimental to um, go to a Muslim person's house and eat dinner, go to um, the witch's house and go eat dinner. Like those people identify as witches. Like go to your queer friend's house and mm. go have dinner with them. Mm. A lot of people are okay with inviting you into their homes yeah. they'll see that these people are human people connection yeah yeah because like we they're we're yeah. human and so that always helps a hundred percent i saw a meme recently that said you know make friends with people whose language is not the same as yours you know that's how you grow and expand a hundred and million ten percent like you've got to go and 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 mingle with people that that don't look like you don't sound like you don't believe the same as you because you know diversity is the makes up the tapestry of life i'm just throwing out all sorts of cliche quotes here i don't care um but it's so true it's so true so how do you um feel your walk has been identifying as a fat woman because i'm so interested in that because uh you know we did an episode on um body image and weight and i've had my own journey with it and i um just think that's such an inspiring part of your story so i want to hear all about that and how you have uh, experienced your journey with that yeah so it's it's been up and down girl Mm. Tell us um, all about it. Yeah, so I think that my first eating eating disorder was, was when I was like maybe 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know that's what it was called at the time. But um, my weight started to, because I was a very, very thin child. Right. And I think when I hit puberty, my weight just like shot up. Mm. And so I just felt very unworthy, very unattractive, like my self-esteem was so low and a lot of people didn't really know that it was low but but like, I, I couldn't even talk age for yeah. a girl 12 13 that's just like, i couldn't even talk to people that's how scared that's how insecure i was like yeah. i didn't want to say the wrong thing because mm. i didn't want to sound stupid yeah. and so that was always my thing is like if you talk you're going to sound stupid if you open your mouth they're going to look at you and that's going to be a reason for them to look at you and see how yeah. dumb and ugly you look was nobody in your circle building your confidence or was there somebody actively tearing it down i mean i would get made fun of and stuff um but i don't think anyone was actively building it no but you just didn't have somebody really just building you up no 
Um, was that to do with your mother and, and where she was at with her mental health? I'm not sure. I mean, my mom was very confident for like a big, bigger woman. Her weight, her weight was also up and down, but she right. also had eating disorders too when mm-hmm. she was younger. And it kind of rolled over into um, as, as kids. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing my mom never did was she never ate with us. Like, mm. never ate with us. She was a closet eater. So we'd find, like, crumbs in her bed or snacks behind her bed or, like, peanut butter in weird cabinets that's, right. like, half eaten. Yeah. So she was very much so going through her own eating disorders. Um, she would also make comments about our weight and stuff like that. Negative um, comments? Yes. She would get me and my sister a lot. Mm. Um, yeah. Um, like, just saying detrimental things? Yeah. Like, I remember my, my sister told me, like, I don't know if I was there or if she, my sister's, you know, darker skin than me. Mm-hmm. She's brown skin. Um, and she used to get made fun of a lot because I am, I'm a brown, but I guess I'm considered light skin. You know, the whole colorism thing in yeah. like the black community um, and other communities too of color. But um, my mom told her at one point, she's like, you can't be dark skin and fat at the same time. Like you have to pick like one or the other basically oh wow like the you gotta pick the lesser of two evils yeah like you can't be like because people are not gonna hire you or they're not gonna how old was she when she was saying this she was young i don't remember exactly um and then my mom would make other comments like my aunt is like she's overweight Mm -hmm. uh and my mom we were eating breakfast i remember her saying she's like yeah like i mean because my aunt was having a problem finding jobs or whatever because the market the job market in michigan is trash Mm. it's bad like, I have two masters and couldn't find a job in Michigan. It was wow. it's bad. And so she's like, yeah, the only reason that she's not finding a job is because she's overweight. Like, that's the reason. Like, and I remember telling her, like, that's not the reason. Like, she, it's just a bad job market. Yeah. And so she would make comments like that. Um, and that kind of sticks with you when you're young. You don't for- yeah, you don't forget that kind of thing, yeah. do you? And then there's other comments and stuff made, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, like, and so, but her weight was also up and down. She had an unhealthy relationship right. with food and Do you think she was projecting? Yeah, for sure. For sure, yeah. Um, what masters do you have out of interest? You said what? What masters do you have? Oh, I have a, um, well, a bachelor's in business and I have a master's in creative writing and an MFA in publishing. Wow. So I have a double master's, yeah. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Um, wow. So your childhood was sort of the setting up for you as a young young adult and, and becoming a, a grown woman. So how was the transition from being a teenager to like in your early 20s? Yeah. Um, well, so I had lost a ton of weight when I was like 17 um, by very unhealthy means. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was losing my hair. I would have really bad migraines. I would exercise a lot and barely eat. Like I remember like... Um, you know, Crystal Light, it's like a sugar-free drink. Yeah. I would drink Crystal Light, um, eat gum, and a handful of pretzels. Like, that would be, like, for the day. And I had to, like, figure out how to stretch it mm. so that, like, I wouldn't eat. And so, like, I would have the worst migraines ever. And of I would just course. be crying at you night time. You nutrition. Yeah. And it was bad. And so I lost a ton of weight. And everybody was so excited. Everyone was like, oh, my God. Like, what did you do? Like, you look so good and all this stuff. And I'm just, like, lying diet and exercise, diet and exercise. Like you have to just, you know, and I would just like be lying about it, crying at night. Cause I still felt like the fattest person in the whole world. Mm. Um, but I was the smallest, like body dysmorphia was so real at the yeah. time. Cause yeah. like, I thought I was the biggest person ever. Really? Um, now I am the biggest person ever, but, <laughs> but a lot more confident, but like is this body dysmorphia is like you 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 see something on a scale like you look in the mirror and you see mm-hmm. something that's not there 
and you don't have anyone it's telling a real you. Thing. Yeah, people don't understand that. I know some people like you know, there's like different levels of it, but like um, it was bad. And then of course, like I gained all the way back because I couldn't sustain the migraines of and the not eating. Of course, you couldn't. Yeah, I remember going to my grandma's house. She's passed away now, but um, I was partaking in eating disorders that time, and I went. Uh, she lives in Arkansas, mm-hmm. or she lived in Arkansas. So for spring break, I would go visit her. And so I was at the kitchen table, just like dead. And she's like, like, baby, what's wrong with you? And I'm just like, I'm so hungry. Mm. I'm so hungry right now. And she's like, I'll make you something to eat. And she made me um, like fries and fry shrimp and homemade biscuits. And I ate that like so fast. What else so did you fast. have from a grandma in the <laughs> south? Like I remember eating that so fast. I think after that, I started to eat more mm. and it gained all the way back plus some. What period of, or what length of time were you doing the crystal light gum and pretzels for every day? How long did that last? Um, well, sometimes I couldn't sustain it at all. Right. So like one time they ordered pizza mm-hmm. and I took a bite out of it and immediately felt like you failed life because you just ate something mm. that you're not supposed to have. Mm. And so I would do stuff like that. Like, oh, okay, well I can just bake some fish and have a little broccoli but the less I ate the more accomplished I felt right um even if I was in pain or crying or like whatever like the less I ate the more triumphant I felt like okay you you've won the war against like you know fatness like you Mm. you've won today and anytime I'll go over that I had like a little food diary which I don't even do now because it triggers me but the food diary it really mess me up mm. so i'd be like okay yesterday you had one piece of fish baked fish less than today like you're fat like you know mm. just going off on myself just in this internal voice you know yeah. that just wouldn't won't shut up and people have that for all types of different things for some people it's eating disorder for other people it's you know whatever whatever's going on in their lives so at what point did you decide that was not the way you were going to live anymore well after trying to be bulimic and that not happening um, I just, I couldn't make myself throw up and I had binged eight for two days. Yeah. There's actually, um, I, so I found out what bulimia was, yeah. um, on the movie. Of course it was like a teen white girl teen movie and they were talking about it and I'm like, Oh my God, is that how white girls stay skinny? So I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to do that too. So they're yeah. like, you have to binge eat. You have to mm-hmm. drink a lot, a lot of water. Yeah. And they use your, you know, use your fingers and you vomit. And so I tried to do it and it wouldn't, nothing would come out. Mm-hmm. So then I Googled how to do it, and it said use a straw, I mean, use a um, toothbrush thick. And I did that, it didn't come out. So I was just like crying mm. and just like disgusted. I ate all those calories and couldn't get it up. And I think at that point, I'm just like, you probably need to change this because this is not working. Yeah. So I had a couple more diets that fail a little bit more healthier than before. Uh, I've tried it all, peels, everything. Um, there was one point where I stumbled upon the hashtag plus size model. And I think that changed my world. Mm. Like seeing other fat people and plus size women live their life with their big breasts, with their fupas, with their big hips, with their, What's you a know, fupa? Fupa is like um, the, the belly fat underneath oh you guys don't use that we no, use well, it in america fupa I, well, i've been here for like F-U-P-A, almost 10 years yeah, yeah. i've never heard yeah of you it. know the under uh, the extra the second stomach well. yeah. <laughs> the second stomach under the first stomach <laughs> okay and so they they were out here living their best lives and so i kind of immersed myself into 
um, plus size models and plus size bloggers, a lot of which I met like today and a lot of in New York. And they've honestly showed me that this question that I asked myself, what would happen if you try to live your best life in the body you have right now? Mm. And so that's what I live by now. Yeah. Not saying that I don't have my ups and downs. Sure. Cause I've gained 25 pounds, so I definitely have my ups and downs. Yeah. But th- ask yourself that question has helped me tremendously. Yeah. You don't seem to, as I'm listening to you talk, think that being fat is such a horrible thing anymore. Right. Like that seems to be a very obvious like transition in, in what you're talking about. And, um, I would say it's pretty recent, you know, as in maybe the last couple of years or less than that this term fat phobia or fat phobic has gone viral because people didn't ever really think about that before. And so for anyone who doesn't know what that means, that means you're just as you can be racist or homophobic, you're being prejudiced against people who are fat. Mm-hmm. And it's throwing up this question of why is fat a bad thing and people always go well it's unhealthy it's unhealthy and you get diabetes you have high cholesterol or whatever um do you think that there's anything that you can't do because you're fat i think that there's always limitations to what you can't do just with other things Right. right um i like to tell people that yes i'm fat but there are a lot of things I can do other than I can't do, right? right. There are some things that I'm just not going to be able to do, right? right? So, like, prolonged jogging because I have – we've always had joint issues in our family, mm-hmm. but I'm not saying that the weight doesn't make it worse. I'm not going right. to lie to you and be like, yeah, my knees are 110%. Like, mm-hmm. no, my knees are my knees are fucked up. They yeah. could be a lot better. Yeah. Um, but also we have arthritis in our family, and mm-hmm. so that also does it. So, like – Um, Will I be able to fit into, like, a carnival seat, a roller coaster? Probably not. Mm. Um, Skydiving, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't want to weigh him down. We both die. So, (laughs) (laughs) so, like, I I know my limitations as a fat person, but there are so many things that I can do. Right. So I focus on that. Um, Same thing with thin people. There are some things that they can't do. Um, Like, when I fall down the steps and my butt saves me. Yeah. Um, No, but, like, we all have our limitations. Well, in parallel, you know, it's fine. (laughs) We've got a long way to go before we can be justifiably offended. That's true. As white people. Um, Yeah. So, when people are fat phobic, it's just this ingrained thing that has been put into people's minds through society that fat equals bad. Mm-hmm. And because when you post something and you're a public account, you are opening yourself up mm-hmm. to God knows what. So what has that been All like the basement you? trolls come oh out of their God. lair. The gremlins from <laughs> under the bridge. All the Shreks. Yeah. Um, the prior to him being... bridge gremlins <laughs> just crawling out to get you. No, yeah. Um, it, it was funny because like I, I am, you know, a proclaimed fat person because mm-hmm. I am. Yeah. And um, I remember when I first started calling myself fat and even like now, uh, I would say that and people would be like, oh, you are not... You are not fat. You are you are thick. You are curvy, but you're definitely not fat. I know fat people. And I'm just like, mm, no, I am fat. And the fact that you are going through all this different, like, um, shock and stuff really concerns me. So then I have to go into education mode. Fat as a descriptor. Um, society, we've put all this negativity on it. We've put lazy on it. We've put smelly on it. You know, non-sexual. We've put um, you can't be the main. You are the side chick. You are you are you're the funny sidekick, right? Um, we've put 
fat people and not just thin people or straight sized people have fat people have also ingrained fat phobia and have put um, negative terminologies on the word fat because I know some who are like oh you she shouldn't wear that you know because fat girls need to um, no, they can wear what they want when they want. And just because you're a fat girl who doesn't have confidence doesn't mean that she doesn't. And so I feel like it's a lot of education um, when I say it. But I've had people who were fat be like, well, I don't want to be called fat and da-da-da-da. And I asked them why. Like what, like I always, like when I do my university talks, always um, I start off with that. I start off with I'm a fat black Muslim and I'm dope as fuck. And you have people when I say the word fat, their eyes go big. And they're like, what? And so I always say, and I'm going to explain later on what I meant by that. Mm-hmm. And so then we go into education mode where we talk about the word fat, why it makes us so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And even other words that make you uncomfortable. Um, I pose that we should all pick and find that word that crumbles us mm-hmm. and see why it makes you so uncomfortable. That's interesting. I want to think about what my word is that makes me uncomfortable. I have a couple. For me? <laughs> no, oh. not you. I'm like, tell me. Because I don't know. Tell me. Read yeah. me. Yeah. No, no, no. I have a couple. Fat used to be one, but it's not anymore. Yeah. You can call me fat. Like, I've been called fat bitch. And I'm like, okay. Thank you. What else? Yeah. And I'm also fat and this. And I'm fat and yeah. smart. And fat and funny. I'm fat and messy. Yeah. So, like, what else do you have? And when you reclaim the word and someone tries to attack yeah. you with the word fat, they don't know what to say. It's They're like, of like how women call each other bitch. Right. Because we're sick of other or men saying you're such a bitch so now right. we go what up bitch like, exactly it's like reclaiming it you yeah. know um I, I think that's such a great way to look at it mm-hmm. so what are some other th- words that you used to be crumbled by that you've conquered now so we're still on fat yeah <laughs> we're not on other words yeah because there's some other words that will um that make me uncomfortable like right. with someone um not really words like phrases when people say um attack my islam Mm. and say that i'm not muslim or i don't look like a muslim i'm still working on not being hurt by that because that really bothers me even if it's a troll i'll be like how dare you yeah 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 um do you go to therapy are you a therapy lover i was in therapy for five years straight um, during my oh yes i loved it and Mm -hmm. it was funny because like i was in the worst condition ever when i went to her like the worst i had stopped writing Mm -hmm. um i wasn't i was working a job that i hated i was doing the stuff with my ex um i was very broken Mm -hmm. and i remember first uh going to her and i was just like nothing you can say will fix me yeah i'm, I'm so did far you feel gone fixable yeah i was yeah. like nothing you can say is gonna fix this yeah. i will always be this way the reason i asked if if you love therapy is because when you said you're working on it i think a lot of people say that and then i'm like well what what does that mean or True are that. you actively True that. you know i'm working on it doesn't Thanks mean for holding me accountable yeah, i appreciate yeah. that <laughs> i feel like we're friends now i'm gonna hold you accountable yeah no no people you know. do yeah that's yeah, true. but like, what what does that mean being accountable? Because Lord knows, I have things I need to be working on, and and sometimes it's so much easier to not act actively work on them and just like keep pushing them back to the closet. Um, so when you're on social media and you're opening up to these, you know, what we're calling trolls, which are people that leave hateful comments and have online, you know, virtual attacks, how do you deal with that? Do you feel like you get more positive feedback than you do negative? Yeah, so I think overall I get, like, more um, positive feedback from people. Um, I think the the when the trolls come out is when I compare, like, straight-sized people to fat people or talk about, like, my weight. Yeah. 
that's when like trolls really get mad for some reason they're just you, so mad about it yeah when you say straight sized people straight sized people we explain who are what like, that means so straight sized people so you have plus sized people you have straight sized people straight sized people can vary but i straight size are individuals who can fit in clothes that are in regular stores so it's so like they don't size to, they don't 18 have to and go down not 18 because no. like sometimes you can't find 18s in regular stores okay. um so like if you go somewhere just like generally around the world they'll have small medium and large right so anybody i think extra large and up will be considered like plus size yeah because i can't go if i ship my pants in mexico city <laughs> I'm not about to find no clothes. Right. So a straight size person could. Mm. So it's about accessibility. Right. So that's how I call them straight size people. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess that could also leak into the conversation of representation and like not being fairly represented. Like why shouldn't you be able to go into Topshop or whatever and, and buy clothes that fit your body type? Just like there's people who talk about like not being represented in TV shows or media, you know, that kind of thing. I and I feel like it's really that's a hard journey like for me clothing size because a small medium large is different in every store True. you can and somebody actually did this online where they they put a pair of jeans that were labeled the same numerical size I think it was like a size 12 and they got a pair from Target Topshop H&M Zara somewhere else and like took a picture of them and they were all completely different. So it's like, even that, like there's no like actual, like a mile is a mile, no one can argue it, but you can argue what a size 12 means because it's different True. actual size clothing. Yeah, the fit models are different. Right, and and how can you go from, from one store and not be able to like find what you need? And also that messes with people's mind because like, I'm a size 12 like mm -hmm. they so hang on to that that's my number yep. and then if you have to go into Zara and they run a smaller size cloth and you have to get a 16 like and they're flipping out they're like <laughs> wait I'm not a 16 yeah. like you know and it's just interesting like when people say what size clothes are you and they say I am a blank it's like mm -hmm. they're really like identifying with that number yeah I mean because because it's like a caste system right yeah kind of like we have here with like money so same thing, you know, like, oh, the lesser I am, if I'm in the one digits, then I'm better than so yeah, it was yeah, in yeah. double digits, right? Yeah. Um, they honestly think they're better. That's why, like, we talk about thin privilege and straight yeah. size privilege, because they honestly, a lot of them, unfortunately, do think that they're better than someone who's yeah. fat. I've had situations where I've seen thin women say, like, we'll see, like, uh, a plus size woman with a really, really sexy man. And they'll be like, oh, like, I would never think he'd date somebody like that. And I'm like... Because um, she's fat. Yeah. Because so fat women can't bag hot guys. So they have the privilege, like, oh, because I'm thin, yeah. therefore I'm better looking. Mm. Therefore I can bag hot guys. And why is he with her? Because she's not, you know, yeah. the, the beauty standard. And do you, so. Do you think within like sexuality and dating, like there's objectification of plus size women? Oh, for sure. 100%. Talk me through that. And um, so um, in America, and it probably might be in Europe too, I'm not sure. But they, we have like the Nicki Minaj and the Amber Rose and, and all the, you know, fake body people. They're all very thick at the bottom with big breasts. Mm -hmm. um, they're, I mean, of course they're fake, but they're still considered like curvy or thick. Do you, is, is that right that Amber Rose and Nicki Minaj, that that's not their real body? No, Cardi B, none of them. Their bodies are not real. Really? Yeah, it's a big thing in America. I probably like, sound really naive not knowing that, but. No, everything is fake. Breasts, hips, butt, all of it. 
um, teeth, all of it. And so um, that's what we do over the, in America. Everything is fake. And I don't so, think people really do that in the UK. That's what I'm going to say, too. I don't think it's that. Teeth is a big... I've definitely noticed people like to get their teeth fixed. Because okay. the British are known for like having not great teeth, okay. stereotypically. So there's a lot of like going... For some reason, a lot of people go to Turkey and get their teeth done because ah. it's cheaper. Okay. But there's not a lot of injecting no the we bu- inject the we lift and... it we we snatch it back that is yeah. that is what we do i think in terms of being honest in terms of people like cardi b and Nicki minaj because they're women of color i didn't want to assume that they, that wasn't no, their real body fake. it's not real it's all fake yeah it's not real oh. uh yeah so w- with those bodies and the hypersexualization of them now they're looking at you like oh you got a big butt you got some big boobs like okay so you're probably down for anything and you're so, talking about me, aren't you? No, yes. <laughs> what are you down for? Um, that would be the worst pickup line ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be like, move along, sir. <laughs> Get out of my face. And so, like, the hypersexualization of um, curvy women or women with big breasts or big butt and big hips is really, really disgusting and sad. Yeah. I've had so many people, like, either touch me inappropriately um, really? that because my butt is big um, or talk to me differently. And I'll ask my thin friends, I'm like, are you guys getting objectified like as much as I am? And they were like, honestly, no. As in they think you're up for or interested in things because Because the the way you look and are shaped. And also there's this other thing of like, okay, um, because you're because you're plus size because you're fat you have low self-esteem so you must be willing for anything i'm offering you and that is what yeah and i'm just like you google me you have no clue i have a whole portfolio honey yeah i have all the receipts do not come play me like that i've had to hold a couple people like i had to hold their lives like i don't know what you thought it was or what you've been messing with but i'm not the one wow i don't need this (laughs) okay i'm just saying like why not the whole your life like why can't we just be respectful about it yeah Exactly. Like if someone's a freak, you're gonna find out. But don't come, don't come at me with that. Really. So it's really yeah. And then also because I'm a black woman, mm. then it's another level of um, thinking that I'm gonna be hypersexual because of what TV shows, how black women are, what the music videos and the mm. um, things of that nature. So they and think, if you are hypersexual or if you are into you know like off the cuff stuff then that's fine too but but don't assume i am exactly yeah so it's a lot of assuming unfortunately yeah and i have to clown a couple people yeah how do you feel about talking about sexuality and sex that's fine okay some people don't they're like i don't want to talk about it i mean i don't do it because i'm like dry at this point because like i've been focusing on my brain as in you don't you you don't have a sexual life or yeah because i'm like in my brand right now and yeah trash so <laughs> you've said that several times i today. did i'm sorry men are I'll, I'll cut it down <laughs> some good men but no some there, men are really there, there are some yeah. there are some good ones i haven't come along any at this moment yeah. i was because i was going to ask you what has that walk been like as a woman who identifies as fat in in the sexual world and and having to date and having to navigate that has it been what you expected it to be I mean, when I got divorced, um, cause like I, the person that um, I lost my virginity to was like my husband at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't really have like, you know, I didn't, couldn't compare and yeah. stuff like, like like my other friends. How old were you when you got married? Uh, 19. 19. Yeah, I was Would you baby. say that's young? Yes. Why did you get married? <laughs> um, so there's two reasons. So Islamically, um, you're supposed to be married before you have like relations with somebody, right? Um, and the second thing is that we did love each other, right? But also we were kind of a little bit forced 
um was by, it an arranged marriage or no no, no. we were kind of forced because like his father was like oh you're like always over her how her apartment or her dorm mm. so you guys probably should just get married um wow. so that doesn't seem like a good reason to get married because someone's at your dorm right well because he already <laughs> knew what we were doing but <laughs> he kind of put two and two together yeah but we also felt guilty just by being muslim and not doing it the traditional way mm-hmm. so but we also loved each other. So it was a little, it was a mix of two. What I tell people that they, they should get married early, definitely not. Because mm-hmm. you have no clue who you are at 19. Well, even if you did know who you were at 19, you're not going to be the same person at 25 Exactly, which is why it ended 10 years later. Right. <laughs> he, well, also him, him being ridiculous and doing other th- fucked up stuff. Yeah. But yes, it was like we definitely grew apart. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't the same person. Yeah. He wasn't the same person. One was going up, one was going down. Right. And so... Yeah, but I mean, navigating like, I don't know, it's it's weird. I feel like fat women can do the same thing as like, or curvy people, people or plus size people can do the same thing in the bedroom as somebody who's straight size. Yeah, um, of course. There's like a lot of, I don't know, it's weird because there's a lot of, I guess, stereotypes mm-hmm. and it's like, you don't know anything until you were actually in it, right? right. Um, and there's so many, like, um, I follow, like, a lot of sex positive, like, influencers mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah. And then they be on her talking. And I I don't have the cur- the curse to talk about it yet, like, openly on mm-hmm. Instagram, where they be talking about stuff like, oh, my God, yes, that's right. Oh, my God, that was me. Yeah. And yeah, so, yeah, like, yeah. I, I like when, like, the the sex therapist, we, like, really get into, like, what what it is, mm. what sexuality means yeah. for, for a lot of us. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm not brave enough to, like, get into, like, that yet. But What's maybe the one fear day. behind not feeling brave enough? Because I, I that's not how I started my brand. I didn't right. start my brand with that. So to mm-hmm. jump into something that's totally different. Also, I have a lot of Muslim followers, so mm-hmm. I'm not sure how they would feel about that. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in, in Islam, what is the outlook about sexuality? It's very hush-hush. Don't talk about it. Yep. Be married if you're going to do Basically, it. Basically, yes. Right. That is it. That's, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, like that's quite just quite a religious thing. Like Christians like to say, well, be married and don't really talk about it. And it's missionary and, yep. and thank you when it's over. Like, <laughs> Appreciate you. Yeah. See you tomorrow. <laughs> yes. Or, or just about conception. Like there's no... No. Yeah. Really within religion, like there's no um, talk about expressing or mutual pleasure or... Um, being free to make your own choices like there's not really a big talk about that I I follow a lot of sex positive accounts too because I think it's really important to teach children um about equality and and that it's more than you you know when you get sexual education as a as a child in school you get education you know girls get taught about menstruation and you know both both sexes will get taught about like what their bodies are going to you know go through but then they talk about how a baby is conceived and that's where the conversation stops we don't talk about well what if we're going to have sex for something other than conception and if it's for you know expressing love or if it's expressing something to yourself or like Mm -hmm. and the whole spectrum in between like there's no real conversation about and it should be because that would help a lot of people i just to me one of the most ridiculous things in the world is is going into a high school and and telling students to be you know abstinent like come on (laughs) really (laughs) they're still doing that in the muslim community as well and i'm just like a lot of them unfortunately have probably like they don't want to know but a lot of them have already been active and you just don't know they're not gonna tell their parents or family because that's like 
they're gonna probably get hella yeah. like flack for it but it's just like you're sitting here preaching something but it's just like we need to teach them how to do it safely of course you do that's what you need to teach them because they're going to do it anyway but how can we do this safely and without shame yep because you know that the the realities are if you're having unprotected sex you are more likely to have an st do you guys say sti or std both okay um you know you're gonna have a, a disease you know the chances of that are going up and the chance of getting pregnant are going up so you need to be educated. I think everything goes back to like education and teaching people how to do that. Was so was that difficult for you? Like going into a marriage, having to navigate that with when you've not like had like anybody really be talking yeah, about it. It was like I didn't know a lot about even like just my own self pleasure. Yeah, like, I didn't know a lot about like orgasms. I didn't mm-hmm. know anything about those things. Of course, like you know, you watch like porn, but that's not real. That's not education. It's right. like not you know a lot of us who. Like who haven't got the education, we look towards our friends who mm-hmm. have may have done some things, or we look towards like pornography, and it's just like that's not what it is. Like there's so much, such, like you said, a spectrum yeah. of things, and like so I didn't know that, and so like now I'm definitely more aware. Mm-hmm. There's some stuff I de- definitely don't know, um, yeah. but when I find the right person that I want to like share that with, I definitely want to explore and like educate myself more. Yeah. But there's so many sex like education therapists and people who I can reach out to now. So I'm glad I have them around. Yeah. What's life like living as an influencer? Because I would call you an influencer. Like I would too. Sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What's it like living in a a life and a world that's so connected all the time? I think recently, um, in the last like year, I've gotten very to the point where I just don't want to have it any- anymore. Really? Yeah, because it's like then it becomes a, it's not like for fun anymore. It's just like yeah. um, people are kind of expecting you to post. If you don't post in three days, it Something's messes wrong. up your algorithm. Number one. And then number two, people are expecting you to have content now because you're an influencer. Mm. So influencers influence. Yeah. And so some days just like, honestly, I don't really have anything to say. So on those days, I'm just like, I'm not going to post today because I don't have anything to say. Yeah. And That's so good. quality well, over quantity. Yeah. Um, but then at the same time, it's like on the days, those are like the days I really, really don't have anything to say. Mm-hmm. But some days I'm just like, I kind of have something to say, but I'm kind of tired and I don't feel like putting it into words. And I'll kind of just sit there and just be like, you have to post something today. Mm. So you just Do you need- post every day? Yes. Multiple times a day? Or? No, I don't do multiple. Oh my God, I can never do multiple. I would <laughs> freaking die. Really? Like some influencers do multiple, which I don't even like anyway, because like you're doing too much. Like people who post five, six times a day, I don't need to see you that right. many times today. Who takes all of your amazing photographs? You just connect with different photographers? Yeah, so in Detroit, I was very spoiled and I mm-hmm. had like my own photography crew, whoever yeah. I needed would come and take my pictures like mm. and I mean like I had a lot of photographers who like were really good who took my pictures so I never had to do anything yeah and then I moved to New York people got shit to do here <laughs> and they don't have time for you and yeah. so I connected with some photographers here but a lot of them are busy mm. and so I've had to learn to do my own pictures really? so I have my little stand yeah. and I have my little timer and I try to like yeah. look crazy in front of other people they're like what are you doing I'm like mind your business move along okay yeah trying to get my pictures okay and, and you do so, your own makeup, don't you? Yes. Oh, wait till you check out Liz <laughs> and see her. If all else fails, you'd be a phenomenal makeup artist. Yeah, that one or a DJ. And I have I don't know how to be a <gasps> DJ, but I just want to be a DJ as well. No, I'm not actually. I would say that's what I would do. 
I bet you're a great DJ. And I can just like just have like the DJ. I have like a full beat face, like yeah. a drag queen, and then just have some really really cool beats. I could see you working for like Fenty or something like That'd really cool. Just, I wish like, they would like hit me travel. up. Travel, yeah. Shout out, come on, Rihanna. Um, <laughs> traveling around the world. I mean, you're just unlimited of what all the amazing things you could do. Thank you. How has your mental health journey been throughout all of this? I mean, you just moved to New York five months ago, mm-hmm. and like c- quick update: New York's really expensive. Oh yeah. And you moved here, am I correct, on your own? Yes. So how was that, moving from Detroit to New York, living on your own, navigating the city, having to deal with finances, trying yeah. to connect people, and you're, am I correct in saying you don't have a day job? Right. Correct. So you're like, I'm all in this brand, yeah. I'm gonna just do it. How has that been? It was really difficult in the beginning. Like, I literally um, had a breakdown. Mm. Um it was really bad. It was actually so bad that I went back to Detroit and I looked at a bottle of pills. I'm like, what would happen if I take all of these? So you felt suicidal? Yeah. Um, and I was like, damn, that's crazy. Because mm. I haven't felt, I've been really good at like um, keeping it together. Yeah. Because um, in Detroit, I was struggling. But it, to struggle in a place that you don't know, mm-hmm. like that's a whole different thing. Like I don't, I'm not a trust fund baby. I don't have like mommy and daddy to like help me out. Like sure. it is Leah V. What you see, what you see is what you get. Mm. And so, which is a lot of like other people of color, you know, they don't have like some anything to fall back on. And so I got really scared. So I'm just like, uh, I had a couple of gigs lined up when I was uh, here. All of them fell through. There's seven, two international, five um, in the states. Every single one fell through. And when you say gigs, is that modeling? Yeah, modeling. Speaking? Some were like, um, most of them were like modeling. Some were just like pro- um, social media projects. Mm-hmm. And I've never had that many people just stop and pull out at once. Right. And so I was just like, I was depending on that because I'm living, I was living on savings. Yeah. And so I was depending on those gigs to kind of, you know, at least like two or three of them, not all of them. Yeah. And so I flipped out and um, reverted back to my old eating disorder habits mm. because I felt very alone here. Yeah. Um, I felt like I was trapped mm-hmm. because I was trying to save money and like you need money to go out in New York. You can't just like, you know, uh, everything was kind of far. Yeah. Even this, you can't even get on the subway without paying. Yeah. Like, nothing's free. And so I started flipping out and freaking out. I'm just like, I'm not going to make it here. Like, you know, I'm, I'm turning it to somebody that I used to be. I don't want to be this person here. Mm. I'm losing myself. New York is eating me alive. And um, I had to go through the motion i had to like reach out to people i have flipped actually i flipped out on facebook and people start calling me like people who've never called me before start calling really? me they're like i'm very concerned about you wow because i was like i can't do this anymore yeah like i'm done like delete all instagram delete everything yeah. i can't do this anymore did you know anyone like i know friends? people here right but it's just like it's not the same as like home mm. And I, I was like, this is not home. I will never be, like, New York will never be home. And Do you I had, feel it's home now? I don't feel like it's home now, but it's a lot more home than it was when sure. I first moved here. So in five months, you know, from five months ago to now, do you feel settled? I don't feel settled, but I do feel like it's getting better. Yeah, and you've met like more people and have a more of a community. Yeah, I mean, I've actually, I feel like like a bitch for even like complaining about this. I know people here. I think yeah. I know as many people in Detroit as I know in New York. It's right. not. It wasn't about like me knowing people. It was just like it wasn't the same as sure. Detroit. Yeah. And so, um, 
but I'm not gonna lie, the people who are, do live here really came through for me. Mm-hmm. Like I was complaining every day. I'm not kidding. Yeah. Like Leah's gonna get better. Like give us give us some time. Like you just got here. Like and I mean everybody pulled through for me. Mm-hmm. Like people were like donating because like there was a month I didn't have any money. Yeah. People donated. People here was like Leah, you got this. Like you like you're gonna make it in New York. Like yeah. we'll make sure of it. Like you're always oh. gonna have a meal. Like you're always gonna have somewhere. Like you're not gonna be homeless. Like that's and so, so great. That honestly like I honestly I wouldn't be anywhere without my community. Mm. Like not even kidding. That's so wonderful. So I always say um we all have something to contribute to the cosmos, you know, the cosmic experience of humanity and um I talk about it all the time. I love the book The Alchemist. Have you read it? No, I've heard of it though. I'm going to get it for you. <laughs> Thank Don't you. know why I whispered that. But it's incredible. <laughs> um it's such an amazing story. I won't I won't ruin it, but the, the the point of it is, you know, finding your purpose and there's um a line that says, you know, when you follow the desires of your heart, the universe rises up to meet you and your blessings start to flow through. And I really believe in That's that. Deep. Yeah, it's so good. That's deep. Like the the point of it is saying that when you have a desire in your heart or the thing that makes you tingle, that's the universe telling you that's the path you should take. Wow. And in what's more important, and it doesn't take away the importance of hustling and, and working hard, but what's just as valuable is saying yes or going, okay, I'm open to it. And the universe just goes and rushes in and starts connecting you with people, bringing through opportunities, and you start to live in your purpose. And, and you can feel the difference when you're living in your purpose and when you're not. So what would you say the purpose of your life is? Mm. Well, three snaps for you, first of all, <laughs> for breaking it down. Um, it's recorded. Was, you can listen back. <laughs> that was very, like, that was very inspiring. I'm actually touched by that. I'm a Leo. I'm not touched by anything. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm trying to process what you just said. Um, I'll process it later, though. Yeah, but, that's all right. Um, I think my purpose is honestly, because I, I get, like, different forms of that question mm. in different ways. And honestly, it's changed over the years. Um, but I think my main purpose right now is to, I want people to live their best lives in their, in the bodies that they have right now. Like, I don't want you to feel like you are limited because of your body. Um, and even like, if you like, for example, there are some like, um, individuals with physical disabilities and, and I always cry when I see the one. You know how they have those goal cast videos like on Facebook when you see like somebody who's like lost both their legs and they're just like f- playing basketball and like doing cr- like cool crazy shit or someone Climbing doesn't have arms. Everest, right. Like-, like they don't you don't even like you don't even have like half your limbs mm. and you're living your best fucking life. Mm. Like that to me is like so inspiring cuz like we have all our limbs and we yeah. still limit ourselves because of our weight. Right. Or our color. Something that isn't isn't a barrier if you can move through the barrier in your mind. Exactly. And so everyone in front of you might be telling you, no, you can't, you can't. It's not possible. You can't do it. But like, like you said, it's the mind. And if we can get past our own barriers, mental barriers, we can get past our physical barriers. And I just, I, I want to be the beacon for people to like, move through those barriers i want to spark that um small spark in you i want it to turn to a flame when you see my picture when you read my words when you um listen to my words mm. like i want you to be like damn let me go do something yeah 
Well, I just could not think you are a more beautiful angel than I do right now. I just think you are so incredible. I've loved listening to every word you've had to say. Um, and as somebody who has been influenced by you, I just want to say thank you because your work, which honestly is really just selfless work, is impacting so many people in in a very dark world sometimes you're such a beacon of light so thank you thank you for being here that. thank you for giving us your time and sharing your story thanks for coming all the way from where you came from absolutely to, to see me shout out to that yeah that's, that's dedication of course i knew i had to and <laughs> talking about the universe rising up to meet you i i just thought oh it'd be so great if she, if i could even hear back from her and then of course we were able to you know exchange an email and it just worked out like mm -hmm. it just was so meant to be so and and before we um sign off let's tell everybody again about your book and oh, your yeah. uh, an upcoming tour for yeah. speaking please tell us all about that so we can support you yeah so unashamed musings of a fat black muslim is gonna be on shells and available i think europe canada and the u.s um October 15th um, it is basically about it, it's a coming out story of how someone can get beat down so badly but still come out on top mm -hmm. so it's it's a heavy read it's very raw um, it's it's a lot grittier and raw than my Instagram posts mm -hmm. and any of my blog posts like we, we get serious mm -hmm. and you kind of get into it's basically I think one of, one of the reviewers like um said it perfectly she said that it's basically like you kind of sitting in on a conversation with leah v and one of her friends mm. it is very very like you get a front row seat to um me growing up me being um emotionally abused by my father me having to deal with my mom's mental illness me going through a whole divorce yeah um but me modeling in paris and me you know doing stuff for refinery 29 um, so, so, so you'll definitely get a front row seat, um, into what it is like to be a fat black Muslim living in America. And so I'm excited about that. Pre-orders yes. are available now and pre-orders are good because like it gets the numbers up. Yep. We're trying to make this go to the, to the, uh, New York times bestsellers list. Manifest and it. So, Manifest it. Yeah. Yes. I'll, I'll be like the first, what, fat black Muslim to even like do that it's gonna be amazing so i'm excited to see how far we can take this yes and then you're touring across the u.s i'm just doing detroit and uh new york right now okay uh, i might be going to cali and doing a talk there okay is so, tours are expensive yeah they and are so we're gonna start small Keep work our way up let's be honest <laughs> So we're going to pre-order your book. We're going to yes, follow you on Instagram yes, and continue this amazing journey of following the entity that is Leah V. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here and for being so beautifully honest and raw. We, we love you here. Thank you so much. You're amazing. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Let's Be Honest. Be sure to follow us across social media using the tag Let's Be Honest, the podcast. Thank you to our special guest, Leah Vernon. Follow her on social media at LVernon2000. Thank you to all of our supporters and guests across the globe. I'm Jess Crosby, and this is Let's Be Honest, the podcast.